0: hello everyone and welcome to a very special record club episode of the jams and tea podcast i am not jake uh jake is not joining us for this particular episode uh but we do have morgan myself and our frequent guest connor here to talk about yet another special anniversary of an album we've been celebrating a few anniversaries lately we celebrated the 20th anniversary of boards of canada's geo A few weeks ago, we celebrated the 30th anniversary of uh, Faith No More's Angel Dust last week. And here we are, true to form, yet again, celebrating another anniversary. This time, we're back to the 20th anniversaries again. And this time, we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of a very special album, but also, more pointedly, a band that is very special, I think, and very podcast core, uh, considering that we're all basically united and loving this band to various degrees. And yet, in the nearly two years that we have been doing this podcast, we've somehow never really got a chance to actually properly talk about any of this band's records. And The band is, of course, Coheed and Cambria. And I think it's fitting that the first instance in which we talk about them, is talking about their debut record, the second stage, Turbine Blade, which very recently turned 20. And COVID in Cambria is a musical project that is loaded with lore, with dense um, tapestries of, of baggage and, and a history that is, frankly, a little bit um, confronting and kind of intimidating to try and like begin to wrap your head around. But that's another reason why I think Second Stage Turbine Blade is a good choice for the first record of the years for us to talk about because in many ways it's the one that is the easiest to approach. Uh, it has the least baggage going into it, which is still not to say it has no baggage going into it because it is notably uh, a musical adaptation of the second volume of Claudio Sanchez's Amory Wars series, I believe, I am the newest of the three of us to Coheed and Cambria, so I'm open to being corrected on any of the research I've tried to do. But I believe the first volume was Year of the Black Rainbow, which is an album they would not actually make musically until several years afterward.
1: Yes, so this this is the first Coheed and Cambria album and the second Amory Wars chapter because claudio is stupid (laughs) yeah i don't think i I got nothing
0: we yeah i mean look we love we love we love this band i want to get that clear out of the bat for people who might be new yeah i mean and um but it is kind of a ridiculous band like it's a kind of a ridiculous prospect for our band this kind of musical interpretation of this dense tapestry uh series but also like it's the kind of extra shit that we love as well the kind of extra shit that we love to dive into and dissect and maybe more important than all of that is that it is the kind of sort of post-hardcore emo-esque shit that we just love to rock out to and we love to talk about on the show as well for all of the intense lore and storytelling second stage turbine blade especially is beyond all other things just a really great emo record and representative of a kind of fringe uh, niche of emo in the early 2000s that kind of represents the the genre at its most kind of esoteric at its least kind of friendly in certain respects but also I think sharing a lot of DNA with more popular acts that we have discussed in the past as well uh, there's even a lyric on one of the songs in this record that is the direct uh, reference to Thursday's first album as well uh, and that's a band that we all love and a record we all love too so um, yeah We'll get into the backstory and I guess the lore of this record as well as we sort of talk about um, the songs and what the sort of overarching story of the album is because in many ways, though it is the second Amory Wars volume, it contains within itself a kind of self-contained story that I think can broadly be understood. Uh, I kind of get the premise of second stage Turbine Blade and I think I understand like who the main characters are And I I vaguely understand the the strange sort of science fiction universe that they exist within. Uh, I I struggle a little bit with the nuances of where this narrative actually goes. I think uh, I assume to a large extent that uh, only parts of that story are really adapted on this album. But I think in a lot of ways, that's maybe a wise decision because if the album were so loaded with dense narrative, then it might become like completely impenetrable. And it's, I think, again, why this is a great introduction to Coheed is that you get a sense of the story, you get a sense of the characters. The songs are very much rooted in the kind of emotional experiences of the characters and the emotional states the characters are in while they go through these complex plot developments and tragic Shakespearean deaths and all sorts of stuff. Really above all, these are like first person accounts of characters in this story uh, kind of reckoning with the emotional intensity of, of, of these kind of pivotal moments in the story. And Connor, you're I wanted to have, invite you on for this as well because I know this is an album that means an awful lot to you. It is one of the very lucky few to be a Connor core 10 out of 10 record. Uh, so why don't you talk for a bit about um, how you came to discover Coheed and Cambria, how you came to discover this record. And what you think of it and um, your sort of overall feelings about what it's about and the impression that it has on you.
2: Yeah so I am a big fan of this band. I first heard them probably the same way that a lot of other people first heard them through their most popular song which is of course Welcome Home from the album From Fear Through the Eyes of Madness. That's the one pictured behind Morgan there and yeah i i always really loved that song like when i first heard it i had not really heard anything like it it's still to this day a pretty badass kind of progressive rock, alternative metal song and but from that song only knowing that song i assumed that this was a metal band which Uh (laughs) which they are a tiny bit but when you go back and listen to a lot of their other stuff they have like a, a specific sound that's really specific to them, but it kind of fuses all these elements of metal, prog, emo, post hardcore, all that stuff. And I always found it kind of interesting how um, this band seems to kind of transcend a lot of way different like audiences. Like it's not often, especially like in online circles, that you see metalheads prog fans, uh, emo fans, hardcore fans all agree on the, uh, on the same band. Uh, yeah, I always found that pretty interesting. And, of course, Claudio Sanchez as a vocalist, just a powerhouse. And no, no one really sounds like him. And I don't remember when I first heard this record. It, it's definitely been years. Probably high school is when I discovered this. And... I was really surprised because I didn't expect the, like you said earlier, the post-hardcore and emo sound that they go for on here. I think it's usually their second album in Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth that is considered kind of their pinnacle, their greatest work. Mm -hmm. But for me, there's just something about the raw energy and production Um, That makes me go back to this one more than any of their other albums. And that is is to say, I've not heard all of their albums, mainly the recent ones. But out of the ones I heard this one, it's just basically it's just nine perfect songs. And really what I can boil, I I don't really have like a super in-depth analysis of this album and like the specifics of the lyrical content. What I can say is that this album just sounds pretty fucking badass.
1: Yeah, definitely like the, uh, the, the kill them all of Coheed and Cambria's
0: mm-hmm. oeuvre. Now, mm-hmm. Morgan, because I know you, I happen to know that you weren't always a fan of Coheed and Cambria. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how you came, came to initially discover this band and ca- how you came to be a fan of this record in particular?
1: So, yeah, like many, I was introduced to this through this band through Welcome Home. Like, I remember somebody put it on in the car and they're like, oh, you should put on Welcome Home next. And the person with the aux was like, oh, hell yeah. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. And then the song started and I was like, wait, this isn't this isn't Welcome Home Sanitarium.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, quite, quite, quite contrary, yeah.
1: I was like, but it's cool though, I want to check out this band. And then I think the next thing I heard from them was a favor house Atlantic off of in keeping secrets of Silent Earth 3. And I was like, what? It's way, like, what? Is, I don't think I like this band. This is gay.
2: <laughs> uh <laughs> When the singing in that song starts, it's just immediately like, what? Yeah, that's yeah. Like the highest note. And now I'm just,
1: you know, you throw that on the car, on in the whip now, and I'm screaming. Should have seen my ass when they played it. And I when I was seeing them, I started that concert on one side of the floor and ended it involuntarily like over here somewhere. Like just complete... I was moved, like uh, Claudio was Moses and I was the Red Sea. Uh, <laughs> it's it's that, more no, like... That, that's you know, gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really is. My initiation with this band actually began with a video by a YouTuber that, at the very least, used to go under the moniker Digibro. Uh, it was usually like an anime YouTuber but they did a video on Coheed's discography up to that point. And I was like, okay, there's something here. I am going to listen to the second stage turbine blade. And then I did, and I was like, oh, okay. They started out cribbing from Thursday. Awesome. I was immediately struck by the really strong emotionality of this album. Um, and it was sort of the key that unlocked everything else they did afterwards. It's weird when a biggest a band's biggest song is maybe their least indicative. Yeah, it just kind of gives you yeah. the wrong impression about ev- everything. And I think that's a lot of people's turn off point for this band. Is the exact same thing happens to them.
0: Well, th- this is interesting as well because my first exposure to Coheed and Cambria was equally kind of off-putting in a certain sense and specifically it was because you and Jake showed me a music video I think it might have been I can't oh remember God. which song it was um, it was probably welcome home yeah it probably was I think it was and and to be clear I we were watching this on a zoom call where yeah, the video I mean, itself was probably like compressed to 360 pixels and just like it, not the way to consume anything really but yeah I I was just like okay this is A lot to take in.
1: I remember you said, uh, is there a reason that that guitar has two necks? And I was like, (laughs) he doesn't see it. He doesn't see the vision yet.
0: No, I didn't. I really didn't. And and it, it feels like... I was definitely quick to judge. I definitely assumed that Coheed and Cambria were the, I I think in my mind, I assumed that Coheed and Cambria were kind of like dream theater. And they were just like this really over the top band that just like kind of took it too far and kind of got lost in themselves. And for all I know, that may be true of of their later work. I still have to dive into it, but I think I fundamentally misunderstood the premise of Coheed and Cambria. I did not realize they were an emo band, which is kind of silly in retrospect because you can you can see that DNA in a song like Welcome Home, but it's definitely they've they've definitely moved a long way away from from where we are with this particular record. That experience put me off of Coheed and Cambria for a while, or at least in the mindset of well, if I ever check out this band, I need to be like, I need to have an afternoon off, like I need to book some time to like process whatever the fuck this band is so I didn't listen to Coheed for a while but eventually I did come around to listening to them and this was the first album of theirs that I experienced and yeah I was completely taken aback by just how different it was from what I was expecting and just how much I connected with it and Coheed I think are you know despite the fact that I have come to learn that Dream Theater is not the best comparison for them in the world They are, in some ways, similar in that, like Dream Theater, they're a band of excesses. They're a band of turning things up to the nth degree and in every respect, not just in terms of compositions, but also in terms of Claudio Sanchez's vocals, which are idiosyncratic, to put it politely. Uh, I happen to love them, but I could see how they would seriously... An acquired taste. They're actually very similar to uh, the vocal tone of the lead vocalist of Mew, which is a comp that I'm sure that Conor yeah. is familiar with. They both have this kind of like dreamy sort of heavily sort of nasal falsetto that mean makes them able to hit these beautiful notes, but also kind of it's a, such a confrontingly loud voice that it, it takes a little bit of adjustment to. Couple that mm. with the fact that, you're adjusting to the way that Claudio sounds at the same time as he is just brutalizing you with, with, you know, details of of characters who are, you know, killing their children and uh, getting raped and all this kind of like awful shit that's happening to the principal characters on this record. Uh, You have (laughs) lyrics that are equally kind of obscure and difficult to pass. And then they're just like so deliberately, in your face mr like,
1: sanchez what sweet, in the hell is a sweet, new oaken
0: sweet josephine <laughs> will you fuck me back home being a lyric that immediately jumped out the first time i heard this is a uh, uh, right that's the thing he just said yeah and it wasn't really until i until getting ready for this that i actually like took the time to really sit down and try and like process you know the characters and what the, the songs were broadly about uh, to try and understand those sorts of lyrics and and I think it's given me a it, it's once you get past the adjustment period for Coheed and Cambria I think that if once you're on board with the way that Claudio sings once you're on board with the way he kind of envisions each project as this sort of elaborate tapestry of these sort of dense characters and, and a part of the story that is expanded in this universe that goes beyond the music. I don't know, depending on your temperament or your attitude towards those kinds of things, you'll either find it kind of exciting and original and cool, or you'll just kind of roll your eyes and, and move on to the next thing. But to me, the music's always been so compelling uh, in every respect that I am more than happy to buy into Coheed and Cambria's whole thing. I do think that uh, in in Keeping Secrets of Silent Hill 3 is a quantifiably better record than this, for me at least. But this is also a record that has a sort of, what Connor has kind of alluded to as a kind of scrappy charm, a sort of simplistic Mm. ethos that's more clearly and straightforwardly rooted in emo and post-hardcore than anything that would follow. Uh, You know, it, it has the least of the kind of proggy sort of influences and aspects of their sound that would come to sort of dominate subsequent records. And in a lot of ways, it's it's the least sort of coherent Cambria record in terms of how I've come to understand the band, but it is the most purely uh, addictive and adrenaline pumping and sort of concise experience of this band that you can get. It doesn't show you all shades of what they can do musically, but it gives you enough to really make it unequivocally clear that these guys are dead fucking serious they're intense as hell and they are the fucking emo nerds who are you know writing their you know novels and and drawing their sick multifaceted animes and and creating these sort of dense universes um, they exist only in the extremes of everything that they relate to, whether it is art, whether it's you know the visual medium, whether it's drawing, whatever it is. And there is an appeal to seeing musicians and artists who uh, exist within those extremes, um, focused and honing on expressing those extremes in the most intense ways possible. Uh, and and while that extremeness gets kind of built on with the proggier stuff and their subsequent records, you don't have an experience that's quite as just balls to the wall, punching you in the face and never letting up as this album does.
1: Yeah, I think there's really something to be said for this being their sort of most concise effort without sacrificing any of the sort of grandiose emotionality of it. It feels a lot like the somewhat sonically similar and at the very least channel relevant translating the name EP in that it's certainly more stretched out than that, but it sounds like it comes from a band who has something to prove and has ambitions even greater than this current project.
0: There's um, moments on this record where I do get a real sense of how absolutely kind of flattening Coheed can be. I mean, my second favorite Coheed and Cambria song, Time Consumer, uh, is is a really great example of that. This is the first proper track on the record. This feels like a definitive song in a lot of ways, Um, but it's not the only track on the album that has that kind of intensity. Everything Evil has it as well. 33, which is a deep cut favorite of mine, also has Mm. it too. Um, yeah. And and while this isn't a record that you know punches and recedes as much as kind of consistently punches, except some of them are just particularly hard. It still feels like it is not. It still gives you, I think, enough of an in to not be completely taken aback by it. Uh, it's it's weird how they balance the the intensity of what they're doing and the verbosity and all of that sort of stuff with. Um, and a lot of it comes down to the hooks as well, The how good at Cl- Claudio Sanchez is at turning his dense sort of storytelling lyricism into punchy hooks. And of course, how in sync he is with the rest of his band too. I mean, if if this weren't a band comprised of four guys who didn't completely click with each other and feel every instinct of each other, then it wouldn't work at all. And that I think is well reflected in the way that Actual musical sections of this record at times will complement the things that are happening in the story that Claudio is uh, telling. And that's something I think the band get better at, even better at, and more pronounced at in subsequent releases too. But yeah, it's just a really fucking bombastic, hard hitting, proper, great emo record.
2: So I, I will say though that my all time favorite Coheed song is Time Consumer. To me, it's just like, well, it's the first real track here other than this kind of the title track, which is this short little like lo-fi piano intro that's not really a track, but it leads really nicely into Time Consumer. So this is like the first proper Coheed song like in their discography. And God, what an amazing first impression. Uh, The whole like emo, like sunny day real estate-esque clean intro uh, of the song. By the way, the drums on this album sound mm. incredible, especially the snare. Just whenever that hits, that like beautiful.
1: Yeah, on the yeah. ride cymbal, like I etched into my brain.
2: They have a great sense of groove all over this record yeah. too. Like you really like, feel like Kid that Disaster
1: intro. is like basically a funk song
0: at the beginning.
2: Yeah, and then it turns into a. Pig squeal.
1: He goes
0: in this song, like under <laughs> the chorus kicks, like and he says, like, I need mayo, like, like out, out of context, I'm just imagining <laughs> like like he he's he's making the sandwich and he's just like yeah. he has yeah. uh, having a fucking <laughs> breakdown when he realizes that it's no mayo. On genius, like the, the annotation for this lyric is, <laughs> is again fittingly, is simply the words. The man needs his mayonnaise, <laughs> but then there's of course the 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 Coheed scholar replying to it and saying it's Willem Ryan asking General Mayo Deftenwolf how the progress has been going and killing the Kilgannon children and capturing Coheed, which I hate that I know what all of that means now, <laughs> which is yes. to say that the story is existing within this alternate universe. Uh, I think it's like a a galaxy or some kind of system called the fence or something and there are these characters um Coheed and Cambria being these kind of like husband and wife figure whose offspring essentially are the the genesis for the story specifically the-
1: offspring named Claudio
0: yeah well that's because... the thing like there's doing a self-insert as a writer and then it's just, there's an extra level to it where when you just call the you give the self-insert your name and what that speaks to I think is the fact that Claudio Sanchez is while this is very like dr- melodramatic and like over the top and very sort of esoteric stuff I think Claudio Sanchez is quite self-aware about how silly it all is too like, this is a band that I think takes their storytelling seriously and takes their craft seriously but don't take themselves overly seriously either. And I think that that, I think that gets a, more
1: and more true as as the discography goes on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a uh, a sense in all of the vocal deliveries on this record and in some of the lyrical choices as well, you know, like uh some of the a couple of the lyrics that I mentioned earlier that Claudio is aware of how ridiculous it all is and to a certain extent leans into that. And I think that's part of the magic source that makes Coheed and Cambria as a musical project work is that you get a sense of how ridiculous it all is and yet that doesn't detract from the emotional core of the story in any way. Like I think some poorer artists who aren't as good at what they do have the mistaken belief that when crafting something uh, expansive and huge and colossal and fantastical that to in any way be irreverent about it would be to undermine what they're trying to do thematically, which is not necessarily true at all. In fact, it can in in a lot of ways uh, make it feel more real and make it feel more tangible because the kinds of tragic shit that's happening in the stories on this album. I mean, the very first... Time Consumer is a song about Coheed and Cambria killing their kids. Like, if you play that completely straight, uh, emotionally, and yet you, you make the music the way that it is, it's a... like, it, it would fall down completely. Um, it would be self-mocking. And yet, you don't get that impact, you don't get that effect, you get a true sense of the emotionality of the situation. And I mean, that chorus, which is one of my favorite little vocal melodies on the whole record as well, me and my star, like that shit is heartbreaking, right? Um, And yet you do get a sense that, you know, there's an awareness of how ridiculous it all is. Time Consumer to me feels like a kind of quintessential, like early 2000s emo song, like looks forward to and, and anticipates a lot of the really sort of heavy handed and Uh, bleeding heart pop punk emo that would come in the next few years as well. It feels like it anticipates that in a lot of ways and points the way forward towards it, but it also has this muscle to it that makes it feel so distinct and locks it into the post-hardcore scene in a way that not a lot of pop punk bands are hooked into. So it's just like, yeah, it's just this beautiful little melting pot and I love it.
2: All the guitar parts on this song specifically, on this whole album, but this song specifically is part of the reason why I love this band so much because that you have those hard-hitting crunchy, scooped power chords that are just hitting you hard in the chorus and then that just screaming lead that comes in in the middle of the chorus. Just all these little layers and details I absolutely love. Also a fun fact is that the noisy guitar solo in this song was played by dr no which is the guitarist for bad brains so that's a fun little fact
0: uh, i want to shout yeah, out i wish i um, could and maybe even talk a little bit about everything evil which is another huge yeah. standout on this album i think definitely another top 5 coheed song at least from what i've heard so far again i talked about yeah. the intensity like Time Consumer is a very intense song, both musically and emotionally, um, but Everything Evil feels like it has this intensity that's much more, like, grandiose, even, and, and suggesting of, like, you know, the climax of some, like, uh, action movie in, in some ways. And And there's, like, moments on the song where... Because, like, Time Consumer, comparatively, is like a kind of intimate family tragedy... Uh, where it's this sort of s- within this kind of self-contained space and it's this kind of aching, mournful parent who is conv- who's been brainwashed into believing that they have to kill their children. And then in Everything Evil, it feels, that, it feels as though like the scale of the tragedy is much wider and that's reflected in the way that Claudio sings on this. I mean, there's some really just gut-wrenching vocal parts on the song, like when he screams like, Jesse, come and look at what your brother did. Like, fuck, that shit just absolutely destroys me. And then the end of the song where he's like, uh, Claudio, dear Claudio, like that shit is mm. so fucking like, it, it's, it. it feels like, you know, it's so dramatic. It's so intense. And it's like, you're you're locked into the story. Even if you barely understand the mechanics of what's actually going on, you feel involved.
1: To sort of emphasize like how many, Signs there were about where this band, how this band would sort of progress. There weren't any acts, I don't think, writing guitar parts in post-hardcore and emo quite like this. Like the riff to everything evil is like, (laughs) what? It's like, what did you do? How did you? How do you do that? And like, even if it's easy, it doesn't sound easy. Post-hardcore can and often is a pretty technical genre, uh, particularly once you get to like the Fall of Troy era stuff, but particularly what Coheed's doing here does have a super progressive influence here, and it helps a lot to make this album stand out among its contemporaries.
0: Connor, what's your perspective on the guitar parts in this record and like the, the general kind of composition? um as someone who's kind of like in in an active band right now
2: what morgan said about particularly like everything evil i really love how this song again like all these songs has a very tight like drum and bass groove but the way they fit in kind of all these weird lines that you wouldn't expect it's like this song in particular the way it starts out it's just like such a i don't want to say a strange groove but just such strange placement in the parts that they play also, one thing that you'll notice listening to, well, all of Coheed and Cambria is that they, they have a specific rhythm and specific groove that they love doing, which is the... Like that. Those hits like... <laughs> it's just constant all all the time. But they but they know how to like change it and play around with that so well and so smoothly. This one... Everything evil is definitely my second favorite. I, I did read some of the meanings of the lyrics, although I don't fully understand them because there's, you know, there's a lot in yeah. terms of the story. But the that pre-chorus part where he screams the EVOLVE monster, like I just love that delivery. It actually sounds like I believe it's is it one of the villains saying that?
0: Mr. Mayo couldn't tell you. Uh,
2: Mayo, um, okay. I, 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 I'm going <laughs> to say it's like, Mayo. Yeah another thing I want to say is the structure of this song is I think a really good indicator of where the band would be headed in the future. Because if you listen to the song all the way through, it feels very complete, very fluid. But if you like just listen to the beginning or parts of the beginning, and then just skip to the end, it's like a totally different song, but you don't really notice that while you're listening to it because the band just has this incredible knack for these like, unique song structures and progressions which is kind of where their prog influence starts
0: yeah you could in some ways even describe them it's not a one to it's not a perfect one-to-one comparison at all but you could describe them as kind of like the meeting point of Thursday and like the Mars Volta for instance and a lot of ways in which both of those bands have these idiosyncrasies that make them uh, stand out that make them so like difficult to take in at certain points, particularly the Miles Volta, difficult to process, but once you are on that wavelength, the intensity of it is what keeps you locked in there, and I like that you brought up those sort of staccato riffs that Claudio and the band use quite often. I think it's a really great technique of kind of like maintaining an intensity and kind of pummeling the listener. This album would fall apart if the intensity and the instrumentation could not be matched by the intensity in Claudio's singing, or vice versa. If Claudio's singing uh, couldn't match the intensity in the instrumentation, the beauty and the the reason why this all coheres, cohere in Cambria, is that you have a fusion and an ability for for these two aspects of the musicality to meet and match each other. And that I think is what makes it so consistently enthralling, even if they do kind of draw on similar musical motifs and techniques, they always find ways to, like you say, make the structures of their songs a little bit less predictable, a little bit more intricate and ornate and kind of sprawling at certain points. And and it does sort of pave the way for the ways in which they expand even more ambitiously on the next few records, but man, uh, for, to me, like, when I think about Keeping Secrets of Time, like, that album to me is about an album about, like, the huge, colossal effect of everything all together, and, and the, the sprawling nature of it all, and the way it all kind of intermingles and interlocks, whereas a record like Turbine Blade, I think about moments. I think about like individual riffs. I think about individual lyrics. I think about individual vocal deliveries. Like another one that comes to mind, for instance, is on delirium trigger where he just kind of screams, Oh God, I don't feel alive. Uh, which is just uh, like- can,
1: yeah. can we, can we talk about fucking delirium trigger for a second? Uh, yes, like we can. that for the longest time, I, I like, I, I think I prefer time consumer at this point in regards to this album, but, like, for the longest time, this was the one. It, like, it's, like, legitimately so unnerving for a lot of it. it. It's, like, the one point where it almost feels like the self-awareness fades away for a bit. And they just instead go full hog on describing this, like, space horror sequence in the story. It, it, and that's definitely helped by the atmosphere created, particularly in like the quieter interlude moments. It's, a, it's very similar to something I said about translating the name, whereas like learning parts of that song taught me things about like how to play the guitar. It, like it's just so well crafted in every sense.
2: That little clean guitar lead in the very beginning just sets the perfect tone. And this song, yeah, this this is probably the eeriest song because, again, I don't know all the specifics, but it kind of is describing this like something lurking and creeping up on a spaceship, which I think, is it Crom? Is, it is that the name?
0: Yeah, Admiral Crom is one of the villains, I believe, uh, from my yeah. uh, preliminary uh, research on the Coheed and Cambria wiki. And um, you can read like the plot events of these songs as just kind of like elaborate allegories for particular kinds of emotional journeys that that you have to kind of go on. Like um, Claudio has described 33, which is the song I mentioned earlier is one of my favorites on this record as essentially like it's literally, it's a song about uh, Patrick, who is the, I believe, son-in-law of Coheed. And anyway, his journey from after his wife Josephine is is, is raped by the Jersey devils and blah, 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 blah. It has this story aspect to it. And it's about him kind of running away from and and trying to sort of of seek refuge from uh, the people that are after him. Um, But Claudio says that you know when you break it down, like 33 is really just a song about running away from something you don't understand that you're scared of. And I think you can apply that kind of more sort of metaphorical reading to a lot of the kind of elaborate stories on this record. And you get an insight into the sort of themes about humanity and about, I guess, growing up that Claudio is interested in exploring. And in a lot of ways... You know, like a lot of these sort of seminal emo records in this time, Seeking stage's Turbine Blade feels like a young person's record. It feels like a record made by someone who's in their early to mid-twenties, who is reckoning with, like, the shift into adulthood and the, sh- and the burden of responsibilities and the burden of relationships and is channeling those, you know, neuroses through these elaborate stories.
1: Yeah, I mean, look no further. Than the fact that the character of Claudio's love interest is named Nuo Ikin, which is fucking Nikki Owen, Claudio's actual ex girlfriend backwards, like dog. <laughs> I, did so, not, I
2: did not know that.
0: <laughs> that's so like uh, on the nose. So... And yeah, and that is, and she's sung about, in another deep cut favorite of mine on this record, "June Song Provision." Which oh, is, I think, one of yeah. the most emotionally direct songs on the album in a lot of ways. Like, a lot of the intensely kind of dense details of the narrative are kind of stripped away for this song that essentially represents uh, the character of Claudio sort of writing to his um, girlfriend from afar and kind of trying not to let the love he has for her get in the way of the fact that he has a kind of mission to do in this universe he has a kind of role to fulfill that is explored in more detail on never ender as well the next song which um, Claudio has said these two songs kind of like go together narratively but June song provision is just kind of heartbreaking at certain points like the the start of the song where he's like, good morning sunshine awake when the sun hits the sky look up at the sounds that surround the day you died it's like god damn there's some there's some some shit there, and I like that, like, essentially at this point in his life, all that Claudio can bear to write about or the, the only way that Claudio can really kind of like channel all of this insecurity and neurosis about his relationship that he has is into stories about parents having to kill their children about like finding out that you're be, being like your, your fiance getting raped in front of you and you being perilous to help her and, and all this sort of shit. Like, it, it, again, it's very emo. It's very intense, like masculine insecurity and uh, feelings of kind of being emasculated and being like powerless and having to live up to some kind of expectation set by the the fathers and the men that came before you and stuff like it's super fucking like classic thematic shit that is only interesting here because it's turned into this like incredibly like bizarre and and weirdo philip k dick ass science fiction bullshit in the best way possible like yeah, that, 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 I, I really appreciate that aspect of it, that essentially Claudio is constructing this in, in, impenetrable universe of lore ostensibly to just deal with his you know uh, early 20s male bullshit that we all experience in some form. Yeah, I, like,
1: who among us? Like, is there <laughs> any greater analog for any artistic endeavor that one takes in their early adulthood like we're all just making our own stupid lore dense nonsense look at how much august lore there is i mean no wonder
0: he's kind of turned into the biggest coheed fan of all of us like and because he is at the prime age to be like most receptive to this and he's also the exact kind of person who find who was be tuned to find this whole entire world fascinating and that's not me casting judgment on August because I find it fascinating too but I have a slight distance from it that he doesn't have and I think that Coheed are a band that you know you have to discover this band at a certain age you have to be between like 15 and 25 really like and the younger the better I think in some ways because it is and particularly with this early music Like, it is tuned into, like, a lot of emo music, I suppose, but and maybe more pop-punk music than, like, classic emo music, but it is tuned into the experiences and the commonalities of, like, that stage of life.
1: Yeah, I think there's, like, uh, to put it very succinctly, if uh, you want to know what the emotional tenor of this band is like, you can look at the uh, the, uh, acoustic demo of June song provision that comes on at the very least the Apple music version of, of the album on streaming. It plays the riff on the acoustic guitar. And then while it's playing, doing the intro, uh, they sample a part of the, the, uh, the boomstick monologue from army of darkness. Uh, just put <laughs> that in there for reasons that are unbeknownst to me, but like absolutely based
0: I don't know why that just completely it both took me so by surprise when you said that and also just completely makes sense like
1: yeah that's that's the exact emotion I felt when I heard it for the first time I was like
0: is that Bruce Sam Raimi needs to like adapt one of the the Amory Wars I I, yeah I don't know that's just a thought anyway let's do our favorite tracks uh and then rating. then Connor why don't you go first
2: My three favorite tracks are Time Consumer, Everything Evil, and Delirium Trigger. Uh, I don't have a least favorite, and it gets a 10.
1: Yeah, uh, three favorites, I will say. Uh, Time Consumer, uh, Delirium Trigger, and 33. Uh, I I mean, the the, the nine things that are here that are actual songs are like, I could not pick a least favorite among them. But yeah, this would also get
0: a 10 from me. All right. And it has an eight from Jake and a nine from August. Uh, and my three favorite tracks are Time Consumer, uh, Everything Evil, and I'll say Delirium Trigger. Uh, my least favorite is uh, Never Ender. And yeah, I think this album is really consistent front to back. Uh, I do think that Silent Earth 3 has the edge over it, but I enjoy this a great deal. Uh, I'm going to give this one an 8 myself out of 10. And that means that we have a 9.0 for Coheed and Cambria's the second stage turbine blade. Let us know at home what you think of the second stage turbine blade. What does this record mean to you? What do Coheed and Cambria mean to you, especially 20 years on as well if you've been around for a while if you remember this band from your youth or if you're new to them either way we want to hear about your thoughts and your experiences in the comments below on YouTube if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Music check out the YouTube page there's a link in the description leave us a comment there uh, if you're listening on a podcast platform we'd appreciate it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review if you enjoyed the podcast Uh, And if you like the video on YouTube as well, that would be greatly appreciated. Make sure you subscribe to the channel so you don't miss any of our subsequent videos. We will, I am absolutely sure, be covering more Coheed in the future, not least the upcoming new record that they're releasing in a few months time. And... Yeah, if you really like what we do and you want to support the channel even further, you can hit the join button on our channel page. And for just $1 a month, you can support the channel, be a part of our family, get your name featured in the title call of every video on the channel, get priority comment response. And if you want to recommend us some music to listen to, your recommendation will go to the top of the pile. As always, though, folks, rock over London, rock on Chicago, craft cheese, make something amazing.